Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Welcome to Midlife Moxie. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm your co-host, Gail. And I'm Christina. And we are going to tread into some interesting waters today, aren't we, Christina? Oh, yes, baby. Oh, yes. Let me give a disclaimer. We, I know nothing about this topic. Christina knows a little more than I do. Enough to be dangerous. And (laughs) it's a controversial topic. I'm just going to prepare you. Shocker, right? Um, It's a provocative topic. But we think it's a topic that you as our listeners probably have questions about. Because I know I do. Because the generation I came up in is why I have so many questions. So we are going to talk about CBD, cannabis, THC. The Mary Jane, the pot, the all the things of the little, is it five leaves, green, herbaceous plant thing. And don't anyone hang up because part of the reason we want to do this is we wanted to get some good information, like all the things you wanted to know, but from an objective source. And it's been really hard to find an objective source because a lot of people are here to sell you their products and we don't find them to be objective. So today we have with us Philippa Burgess and she is an expert on this topic. Now she comes to it from a completely different angle than someone who's promoting it in sales. She comes from a regulatory standpoint. So Philippa, tell them exactly how you got involved in the pot industry, what your role was in the pot industry, kind of what makes you an expert on this? Absolutely. Thank you for having me and hello, everyone. I um, I was going to say, I have, I'm evolving into a third career and I'll just say what I, all of them have in common. So I started in, I, I grew up in the New York area, I went to school in Los Angeles and I worked in inter- entertainment and I love contracts, I love compliance and I was on the business side of entertainment. And then I moved to Colorado and I moved to Colorado at the end of 2013, having no idea that that election cycle, cannabis would be um, voted as recreational legal and that I would have a career in the cannabis industry. And I love startups. I love possibility, but I love reality. I love marrying reality and possibility. So um, that's why I really enjoyed cannabis. It was an evolving industry. It was kind of very rogue and renegade, but at the same time, it had the highest level of compliance. And so I enjoyed that kind of marriage of possibility and reality. And now I'm actually in grad school and I'm studying urban planning, which is very similar. It's what's possible in real estate. And then how do you marry that to zoning and compliance and financial and legal and social good and social justice and all sorts of other things. And actually cannabis itself has a social justice element to it as well. Interesting. Which we, we can and talk so about. And so just but- to be clear, we are not advocating for use of um, or against. This is purely going to be some information and answer those questions like, what do these terms mean? What do the things mean? What What is it? What can it do? Because um, there are there are some studies saying that there's some very good things that can be done, you know, to use medicinally. But we just want to give you information that you can take and do with whatever you please. Now, don't consider this medical information. 
We are not medical providers. We're just going to give you data and, um, you know, personal experience information. So we good girls, everybody ready to dive into this. So we hope no one has hung up because we really want to explore this. I think it's fascinating. So Philippa, what would be the one thing you would want people to know about this overarching theme, CBD, cannabis, THC, marijuana, pot, green leaf, whatever you call it? I would say the one thing is to understand that all of this is considered high risk and that there's compliance and the people who do it legitimately have a lot of regulatory burden on them, either through state licensing if it's cannabis or there's a lot of rules that apply to those who sell CBD. CBD and cannabis are, let me, let me define the word THC. THC is the psychoactive effect. And I think that's most people think of pot or cannabis or marijuana. They think of getting high. And the difference between, so THC has the psychoactive effect and CBD has more of the medicinal benefits to it. Okay, this what world, does THC stand for? Um, tetrahydrocannabinoid. I should know that better for being in the industry, but uh, it, CBD is cannabinoid and THC is the tetra. Uh, and these are both present in the marijuana plant. Is that what you're t- is that they correct? are both present in the marijuana plant and they are both present in the hemp plant. Oh, so hemp has THC as well? Yes. Oh, I've already learned something. Okay, so would you give us a quick rundown? Can I just throw out some words and you give us some definitions? Mm-hmm. Okay, cannabis. Cannabis is the more professional word for marijuana. Okay. But it also is an overarching industry. You have the cannabis industry. And under the cannabis industry can be the larger umbrella of the hemp industry, which are products derived from the hemp plant and marijuana products derived from the marijuana plant. Now, CBD, however, is in both the cannabis plant and the hemp plant. It's about the proportion. So in a, if, it's, if, it's, if it's naturally derived from marijuana, the marijuana plant, it typically has higher THC, lower CBD. However, it can be manipulated and so that you can have it have very low THC, which would be the same as if it, it naturally comes from the hemp plant, which is low THC, high CBD. So the legal definition of CBD, regardless of it was it was derived from a hemp plant or a cannabis plant, is less than 0.3% THC, meaning a minimal amount of THC is in what is legally saleable, pretty much unrestricted. We can get into some of the restrictions, but you know, you today right now can go online go to a CBD store, order your bottle of CBD, and it is legal with a few exceptions in all 50, in all states. Um, states do get to set their own rules, but because it doesn't have the psychoactive nature to it, and it was the 2018 farm bill that made it legal to farm hemp. Once that happened, the natural extract of hemp is CBD, made that widely available. And then we can get into talking about the relationship that the FDA has to CBD. Because obviously safety among all things is our, is my and everybody here's greatest concern. So it's interesting to me because, and I'll just be very open about my situation. I do take a CBD THC blend at night to sleep. I was just, I, I was struggling with sleep. I was struggling with body aches. I get stuff with my hands where I can't grip. Uh, and so I went into our local cannabis shop and I will say, you know, I'm in California, so we're a little, we're a little liberal here and we have a lot Hippies. of different <laughs> 
we have a lot of different things that are offered. And one of the things that I said is I'm not here to get high. I'm here to help restore my body, you know, because you have to define that when you go into these these stores. And I found um, it really interesting when they were talking to me, I said, well, what is going to help with my pain and what is going to help with my sleep? And I said, can I just take a CBD or a hemp or something like that? And they said, well, you need the THC, a little bit of THC for it to open up the CBD. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I was like, is it even oh, I was true? Out. Or did she get scanned? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And and again, I'm not a doctor in the space. I'm just I've been just in the space a while. So as I understand it, is the and I say doctor, even like scientist. I mean, there's people who this is <laughs> this is their thing. So just broadly speaking, um, THC and C B D work together always. So let's go back to traditional cannabis dispensaries, uh, licensed, regulated. They um, they started with medicinal med- medical marijuana. So there is there it was understood widely that there is a medicinal value to marijuana, and um, and even with that, they found that the medicinal value worked best when the THC and the CBD were combined. Okay, let me let me put it, and I'm going to interrupt you a million <laughs> times today, Philippa, because I feel like people are driving she along in their car and they're like, oh, wait, what? And I won't remember later and it won't make any sense. So you said pretty widely accepted. Is it just kind of common? How accepted is it that there are benefits to THC consumption or inhalation or however you get it? How, how widely accepted is that belief? I, the answer to that question is how many states have medical marijuana and i'm googling that right now (laughs) so 36 it is accepted by 36 states that have some sort of medical marijuana cannabis program now this is not just cbd this is this is from the the the, real this is the the marijuana plant smoking the reefer yep 36 states this is is a nice vape pen as my friends like to (laughs) tell me all the time. I'm like, how do you hit that? I don't even, I'm old school. Like we used to roll blunts and. Oh, Christine, um, just stop. Don't, don't. Listen, I can, I can roll a good Did you, blunt. Have you heard of pleading the, fifth, you. pleading the fifth? <laughs> we laugh because I'm like, I call her Jeannie from the hood because I, I'm just going to tell us, never smoked a joint. Never, ever. I swear. So like, I have no idea what we're talking, you know, I know what it smells like. I could probably identify it if I saw one, maybe. I know what the little plant leaf looks like, and I get that. So you couldn't be very any more different than we are on this topic, <laughs> but we both want to learn. Yeah. Okay, going back to the definitions, I want to understand this 0.3% thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so anything that is less than 0.3% THC can be labeled just as CBD. Correct. Mm, okay. And if it is p- less than 0.3%, does it have to disclose that it has any THC in it? Uh, so every product, and this is really, really important because again, safety and health are primary here. Every legally sold, like where they're, you know, following all the rules of what they're supposed to be doing, you know, it's not, it doesn't have the oversight. The not down does. on the corner. Right. They're going to have a, what's called a COA, Certificate of Analysis attached to that product. And you can either, sometimes it's a QR code, you can scan on a bottle if you're in a store, if you're on a website, it should be very clear. Um, sometimes it's in the footer, sometimes it's attached to the listing of the product, but you should not be purchasing, I highly recommend don't purchase any product unless you review that COA. It's going to tell you what the 
what the amount of THC is, and it can be anywhere from zero up to 0.3%. But it's also, some of them will also tell you, and sometimes they look kind of scary, but you'll see all these things and then you realize that it says pass, 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 meaning it's fine. Um, but heavy metals, pesticides, all sorts of other things that can show up when you cultivate these plants. And so you want to make sure you're not putting that in your body, especially if you're using it to treat an illness or you're not supposed to use this to cure, treat, or, but, you know, for example, a lot of people, let's say back to cannabis, use um, these products because they're they're immunocompromised. They may be on cancer treatments. And you do not want to be putting hard chemicals, um, pesticides, toxins, heavy metals in their body. They're so sensitive and they're trying to use this as medicine. So making sure a product is clean is so important. And there are, Philippa, right? I mean, just for our audience, there are products out there that are clean products that are, that are out there in the cannabis world. I mean, just we're going to use cannabis as the overarching, but in the CBD, cannabis, whatever world, right? There are some that are- There are lots of clean products. And my point is you're going to confirm that because you're going to look at the yeah. COA and the COA is going to make, give you the confidence that- you know, even if you're not sure what the benefit is, you know, we can talk about what people find that it can be calming, relaxing, helping with sleep, bring tranquility. Some people like it as a kind of the equivalent of a glass of wine and just turns a relaxation, body's aching the pains. I mean, we can get into sort of why people use it without that psychoactive effect. The 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 thing is don't buy it from a gas station. Just don't. <laughs> okay. So source is important. And if there's no COA available to you on that product, keep keep it moving. Move okay. exactly. Here's my next question. 0.3% if you take in a product, however you take this in, with 0.3% or less, would that show up on a drug screen at an employer? It's a great question. And and again, the, the overall philosophy here with all of this is do no harm. So safe product and not getting you in trouble. If you don't know how you're going to react to something, you're not going to get couch lock with CBD, but you don't want to be operating a motor vehicle. And if you have an employer who has a very strict policy, because they don't just differentiate between if it shows up on a test there, uh, there's oftentimes no recourse for that. So be sensitive to the requirements of your employer. And, and usually it also relates to, you know, if you drive or, or operate heavy machinery, they care. Mm-hmm. You know, does mm-hmm. your job have something where your, your ability to do your job may be impacted? Um, but, separate of, but like so one so of w- these it, products that could be detected, you're saying? Well, there's two things. There's two types of ways that CBD, let's just talk about how it's packaged, right? So there's topicals. And there's ingestibles. So topicals you're going to have be just fine with. You can use the creams, the lotions. I have it as in soap. You can, you know, people, it's in bombs. People find it really relaxing. A lot of massage therapists use it. And so it's very, you're not going to have a problem if you're putting it on your skin. It's not going to be absorbed enough that it would ever show up on any kind of test anywhere. So there's a whole line of topical products. If you've never used CBD before, highly recommend you start with a topical to get comfortable with it, see what it is. Uh, look for the the companion ingredients in that. Uh, there's some really, really good ones. I'm going to provide uh, an a, a accompanying blog for some products and, yes. and brands that we recommend and give you kind of a, a, a 10 that I, that I sort of know are compliant. And, um, but like one of them is called hide and seek and she just, she combines it with like uniquely formulated. It's a jojoba oil and just like really good quality mm. skincare products that you know that your skin's get, you, even if you don't know what the CBD is going to do, you know that everything else is like really quality and well-sourced. So that's an example mm. of topical. And so that's one way you're not going to get so no drug test, no problem with topical. Ingestible is what you consume. That's going to enter your bloodstream. 
that's going to enter your belly. That's going to be something that you are concerned for your own health and well-being. Obviously, the goal here is do no harm. So you want good quality products that are compliant, that have good manufacturing pro- um, practices, and you want things that so if so there are things that say zero THC, and they're meant to be products that you can ingest that uh, won't show up on tests. The question is, you know, what's the time between when you ingest it and when is the test? The question is, how mm. much did you consume? And and so, and, and did you look at the COA? Because sometimes they say zero, but they mm. might be point two. You, you, you have to really like do your research and, and find that the COA is usually is very accurate to the, the product that you're so consuming. So if it's 0.3%, are they allowed on the bottle to say zero? Again, the question is who who's the gatekeeper of this? Sometimes the merchant processor of all people, not the FDA, is the gatekeeper and tries mm-hmm. to sort of keep all the compliance in check. But at the end of the day, you as the consumer, please check that COA. Don't. So the COA will tell us the truth. Yes. Yeah. It's- all my all my products have the COA on it. I actually look every time because I would just want to make sure that you know, I'm not because I'm I'm in recovery, and so my main basis for taking this is to heal my body, not to, you know, harm myself or, you know, abuse it. And so I just have like a strict, a strict policy where I look at things and I say, okay, You're so an like, what is this really consumer? Saying? I am, I am. Well, because I'm I'm not trying to do it to get high. Sure. You know, I, I think there's some people. Sure. <laughs> Gail always calls her after like, I can't talk right now. <laughs> can't talk to you. She's like, are you okay? I'm all, I can't put together a sentence right now. I'm just, I took I my gummy. That's what you tell me. <laughs> or we'll be talking. She said, I've already taken my gummy. You have about seven minutes before I <laughs> don't make any sense. Okay. Oh my goodness. So true. The girl so just true. wants and to I sleep. And I do not... Uh, I do. Okay, so let's go back up to THC and CBD. I know I'm just living here, Philippa. You may have to come back for a part two. Let's just be clear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, (laughs) so if it is basically under... Let me me get this right. So basically, the marijuana plant is providing an oil or a substance that is high in THC, low in CBD. So it's kind of... That's the leading thing you're going to get from marijuana is THC. Versus hemp, it's leading with the CBD, may have a touch of THC. So with that in mind, if we're not looking for any psychoactive effects, should we stick with CBD? Will we get yes. the same so benefits? CBD, absolutely. CBD is, so within that, the, the two elements, the CBD is really what's kind of known as providing the health benefit and the THC is the psychoactive. Now they, as exactly as Christina was saying, like what she was told, like one kind of unlocks the other, they work together. So you don't want some, so the idea is if you're really looking for, uh, and we'll get into some of the the FDA requirements, like does not cure, uh, treat or heal heal any, you know, disease, but, um, you know, a lot of people do find it gives them relief. Um, and so if you're looking for it for some medicinal value, uh, a little bit of that THC is going to provide more of that value. So, you know, obviously protect your employer and your employment and, you know, what those requirements are. But if that's not an issue, um, there's different ones. Like there's like they call it full spectrum. They call it isolate. Um, <clears throat> sometimes the full spectrum has a bit more full 
access to the THC and people kind of get a body buzz out of it. Some people like that. Some people don't like that. So, you know, there's a little bit of go slow, no, go what's low a body and go buzz? slow. What's a body buzz? You just feel really good. <laughs> well, up, do, 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 you, do you drink wine? I don't love wine. I do. I'm more of a vodka tequila girl. Okay. Do, do you drink, <laughs> do you drink alcohol? Right. Okay. You know that when, when you have a cocktail, there's this feeling that comes over you that you're like, you can sink into that sense of, I can, re- I, the sense of relaxation just kind of comes over. Uh, My, when the you- sense I get is more talkative, sweaty, and thinking I'm more funny than usual and think I want to get it on with my husband by the time we get home, the feeling may have passed. That's the feeling. That's what alcohol does to me. So when I start getting aggressive, he just ignores me because he knows it's going to be a downhill plummet when we get in the car. So would you call that relaxing? I don't know. I don't know. He usually okay, just ramps me, me up to have fun. Oh, let me let me let me switch, uh, flip that then. Do you notice there's a moment where you feel an effect? There was a before and there's an after. Oh yeah, it's like a switch clicks. Okay. And CBD is the same way. There's definitely a sense of, now I will say, and I'm I'm an advocate to me. I'm like, it's a plant. The idea that people are jailed for this, the people that there's criminal sentences and then you, that it impacts like so many areas of light. There's a whole social justice piece to this. It's a whole other conversation. Um, But I very much have always like been an out, like I tried it in eighth grade and it wasn't, wasn't my thing. And I was just like, never really looked back and it, and then, and it was aware that it was kind of, mm -hmm, damn. Welcome. Y'all didn't do that in eighth grade. Welcome I to. I told you I never have. I was a good girl. Oh, that's right. Well, and let yeah. me say this. Well. Part of the reason I want to have this conversation is because people of my age, I'm 55, we grew up in the don't do drugs, drugs are bad, and that included everything. So, mm-hmm. good girls, you know, we all have our black lines, and that was the line that I didn't cross, as well as many of my friends. That was just. That was the line in the sand for us. Alcohol sometimes, maybe a few cigarettes now and then. I was never good at that either. But when you crossed over even into marijuana, that was drugs. And so I think there's very much some stigma attached to my age group and midlife women. And that's part of the reason I want to talk about it. We have some bias because of what we've been told Hmm. and the whole no drugs policies. And I think we've really had a hard time taking those, you know, stepping back and saying, let me look at this from a different angle. And so that's why I wanted to get information because I feel like people my age also don't know where to get information. They're afraid to Google it, you know, because, you know, if I get arrested for, you know, something next week and they take my computer, I don't want them to say I've been Googling all the pot dispensaries, you know. So I think there's a little bit of anxiety or fear even about the whole discussion, what will people think, you know? So that's where I'm coming from. And it's a very, I think it's very unique to my, my generation and older. But also Gail, on top of that, you have some, some of our communities still have kids in the home, you know, and some of us, you know, I, I'm, I'm a very big advocate. I know Gail's a big advocate. We're like, you know, don't, don't do that. It's going to mess up it's going to mess up your brain. It's going to mess up your life. You know, this is, this is something that you really take seriously. And so, you know, what's a good age for people to kind of start to embrace that and, um, and say, okay, well, well, because what age should you, I started, I start getting high? that is not the well, question just for our listeners, because 
let me back up and say one more thing, Christina. We have to understand that the products we're talking about are not bricks you pick up on the border from, you know, a runner out of Mexico. That is not what we're talking about. Well, some of us have done that. Christina? (laughs) I don't know what the statute of limitations is on drug running, but shut your mouth. But we're talking about, and I want to, I just want to touch on this before she goes on because she shared this with us. This is one of the most highly regulated Mm. substances Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you could possibly put in your body. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to, I mean, banking for one second, if you have a pay for a compliant, like first of all, bank accounts for all of these businesses are not free. If you're doing it compliantly, transparently, Mm -hmm. the bank knows what you're doing. A lot of banks, it's still considered marijuana related business. These companies can bank. It's just not free, but to just, give some context and numbers to scale. It costs $150 a month to have a CBD business account. Now it varies, but like that's the kind of a number, you know, relative to when you want a cannabis bank account, your fees start at $2,500 a month. Wow. So this is just, and, and we're not even, ta- that wow. is even touch taxes. The fact that you can't write anything off. Um, all of your business expenses are not tax deductible. Um, the fact that you can't get like you know a lot of people like got into marijuana stocks and we can talk about <laughs> but you know wow. they, they can't access capital they can't access loans so they want to go public to get the money that's available to them by going public but they can't scale and be as successful as other companies because they just can't take on the debt because nobody will give it to them and when they do it's a you know, egregious interest rates. So there's a whole other side to, but the, the compliance, you know, that is involved in this licensing, the f- cost for licensing, it's a, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a license to grow it, a license to uh, produce it, like to um, extract it and bottle and sell it, and and your license to have a dispensary. And it can't cross state lines. So there's no efficiency right now. And so what you what's consumed <laughs> in California has to be grown in California. Christina's <laughs> laughing. Tell what's them, that? Christina. <laughs> So, so Gail tell, tells me how oh, we don't, we're not able to have um, the dispensaries out here. I'm like, what? I thought everybody had a dispensary. I said, don't worry, I'll send you some. Okay. No. <laughs> and she she said, don't do that. No, and I no, said, you won't. Why not? Do not mail me and any she, gummies. And, and then she tells me, I was like, oh crap. Okay, I'm not mailing anything, you know, because I just don't think about it. Because I think, oh my gosh, if this can help somebody, I want you to be able to have it. She doesn't um, think about it as just- federal drug trafficking, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, no, do not mail me any gummies. No, thank you. So, so, so we don't we don't do that anymore. Just in case anybody so listening, is like- hemp and the growth of hemp as regulated as the growth of the cannabis. No. So what happened is, so let's just kind of give a little timeline to this. So it was, it was in the 90s, the mid-90s, that California said, okay, it's okay to grow medical marijuana cannabis, you know, in out in, you know, the Humboldt and places that nobody, it was really unregulated, but it was around, I was, it was barely on my radar that it was even a thing. I had a roommate once, he liked to smoke weed and I just didn't think about it. I didn't ask where he got it from. I didn't think about whether he was breaking the law or not. It just didn't even like occur to me anything about it. Uh, and then when I moved to Colorado, obviously the law came in and then I learned a little bit more that it had been voted on to be for medical marijuana a few years earlier, but now they were. And so the, I think where people, especially like the context that you were putting it in and said, are like, drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. Just say no. Right. That right. the word recreational, I think gives people the wrong idea. Like, oh, you're just playing. You're just there to get stoned. And the way I would think of it, it was more like if you're walking into Rite Aid, 
Walgreens, CVS, yes, that CVS, it's the yeah. difference between do you have to go to the pharmacist with a prescription that's medical marijuana or can you get your help um, from the over-the-counter? And the real reason a lot of people use it, so it's really adult use versus recreation. And when it comes to, again, an audience who sort of says, I'm not really sure about this, the question is, do you have a problem to solve? And if you have a problem to solve, I need help with sleep. I've got these body aches. My hands hurt. I have something that might be caused by inflammation and that there is enough scientific evidence that says this helps with inflammation. And let's talk, and I'd like to have the next piece talk about what the FDA rules are and their view on this. But the idea is if you have a problem. You don't get a vote on what we're going to talk to next. If you not figured that out already, we're completely off the rails over here. I'm just kidding. Okay, but I have to go back to that because I think there's misunderstanding. I think it sounds like the term recreational use is a misnomer here in a lot of cases. It, it, it is because the people that I, – I, I think that that's where people think like, oh, this is where you're just going to get – people are just trying to get high and they just want to get stoned and they don't want to work and they just want right. to, you know, just kind of be a derelict and suspend – I'm on my drum all day. That's what I want. <laughs> be a productive a member of society and, I, and there's a lot of judgment to that. And so I think that the, the idea is that people have found a lot of relief and if you start with, again – medical marijuana in 36 states saying yes it's okay because people with ptsd people with anxiety mm -hmm. people um who are having cancer treatments and other things find that it offers an enormous amount of relief and so people go to it for to solve a problem and in, in a okay. lot of so basically if there's only two categories as far as the industry is concerned right now it's either medical or it's recreational is am i understanding you correctly yeah you can also return uh recreational to adult use okay that's yeah, what i'm like getting adult at that use better if it's not if it's not through a prescription then that at the current time the term that's used is recreational even though that's a misnomer am i understanding you correctly well, I'm saying that it, it can actually, and it's starting to change. It you can equally say recreational or adult use. It is the same thing, and I just think adult use is the more respectful term. That, that that's new. Mm -hmm. You're saying yes. that's a new term. Okay, I like that because and, I and think I, when we think yeah, about I recreational use, it, you know, I would have made the mistake. That we think it, about a good time for fun. Somebody to get high. Yeah, yeah. you think about a good time, right? Right. I I do want to ask this: Is like, who is this good for? You know. Um, do we want to let her answer that FDA thing first? Because I know she really wanted to talk about it. And y'all, Philip oh, has done yeah. a lot of preparation today. And we have totally derailed anything she wanted to talk about. <laughs> and we want no, to respect our guest. <laughs> no, it was, it was just there to sort of give some ideas just so I do like the world because it's big. And it's like, where do you start this conversation? And I yeah. think that... Um, so what For I wanted some to of you in eighth grade, apparently. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But then I didn't look at it again until I went to Colorado. And then I had a job working for a cannabis marketing agency. And then they entered a contest and we were sent home with product and we were supposed to review it. And then I'd end up <laughs> with couch lock and be like really mad. Okay. What's couch lock? What's couch lock? <laughs> oh, girl, I'm telling you. I was You're over like here stuck. in Cinderella land, stuck. apparently. What does that oh, mean? I've gotten couch lock a, a numerous times in my lifetime where I just am like, nope, I'm right here for the night. I'm just going to sit right here. You can't move. <laughs> literally cannot get off the couch, even if you try. Yeah. Well, 
like you're really like, good <laughs> totally chillaxed is that what you mean yes oh yeah your your yeah. body's just your body is like your mind is, is very creative your mind is thinking all sorts of things your mind's actually pretty motivated because it, it it and your stomach wouldn't mind taking you to the fridge um yes. but um no your is body's like considered high yes because yes. <laughs> see i'm thinking if you're getting high you're bouncing around you're excited but this oh, kind of no. how you're christina is like smiling like there's it's bringing there's her thoughts indica. of joy over there. The, 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 well, there's indica and stativa. So there's there's two different types of plants. Uh, well, Philippa, you can talk about that. Yeah, we can drill down into the, there's all each strain. Yeah. There's different types, of, but generally speaking, there's indica and sativa, and one you know sort of gets you it does have a little bit of that bounce effect, and the other one is couch lock. You're not moving. You're just and I was a Turo host, which is like where you rent a car, and so I'd I'd always like have my car in and out of the airport, like turning it around, so it's not like Uber. You just give them the car, give them the keys, and um, every single time, ninety eight percent of the time, there was either wrappers, leftover gummies, like they all went to the dispensary. <laughs> oh my gosh, people in Colorado! Oh my goodness, people visiting Colorado. Let me say this too, because this is something I didn't understand. Just because you can get these prices does not mean you can walk down the street in Denver, Colorado, smoking a joint. That is not the way this works. Unless it's oh, well. changed. When we were unless there, you, come to California. you were supposed to ingest the products at home. Correct, Philippa? Yeah, they would prefer that you're not smoking it on the corner. They're pretty, it's in the air as far as like literally you can smell it when you walk down the street. But it's also in the culture. It's not that taboo. Is It's, it's just gone. And I grew up in New York, New Jersey, that taboo was there and then moved to California. Just like it was neutral. It wasn't there. wasn't not there. And then could you go to Colorado at that time? And it was all the new businesses, all the startups, all the, like, it was, it was so normalized. It was odd. <laughs> like, and then, and I, I go back now, back and forth now between New York and, and Colorado. And yeah, just, it's interesting when you're in Colorado, it's like, yep, this is, this is, this is a real Okay, Philip, I have a story. You're going to like this. We were visiting Denver. My husband had some work there. And the children and I went on up because, you know, if daddy had, we homeschooled. And so if daddy had a trip and went somewhere we wanted to go, we just got in and went. So the second day, my husband had gone outside with our dog and was doing some work. And my dog's playing around. And he comes back in. And the dog is just standing there looking at me and leaning kind of sideways. And I looked at my husband and said, what's wrong with the dog? He said, nothing. He's fine. I said, what's wrong with the dog? What the hell you mean nothing? Look at him. And so he got up on the bed. And like when he would try, like if you would pet him and he would try to scratch or meet you, his reactions were like about a half a second behind the attempt. And then he was just standing kind of sideways and looking, uh, something is wrong with this dog. So we call an emergency vet. We take him to the vet and this lady's like in a panic. She's like, his temperature's down. His heart rate's really low. I'm really worried about him. And she puts this big water bottle on his belly and send us to the dog hospital, like the trauma center. And we go in, and I'm just going to say, there are humans that don't get the triage that this dog got. So we go in there, and he said, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what's wrong with your dog. Your dog's high. And I'm like, what? No, we are not those people. You're, you've misunderstood. We're from Texas. We do not have any drugs on us. What are you talking about? He said, oh, no. He probably just picked up a, a crumb off an edible, like a brownie outside. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My husband was outside working this morning. 
It's it's he called said, pot dog. Well, and <laughs> that's what we found out that this is a common thing. And he said, yeah. I can give him a drug test. It's just like a human takes, take his urine. He'd come back, yeah, your dog's high as a kite. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? So this was a $600 vet bill for the dog being high as a kite. Yeah, quit laughing, Christine. And they gave him just some... <laughs> fluids under the skin to kind of dilute it get out he said he'll be fine you know they would have to take a whole lot to harm them but your dog's basically high he'll it'll he'll sleep it off and i'm just standing there and he said oh no we have about one case a day y'all are laughing like this was it was i was worried about my ranger but i've not had any pot but ranger has no, I, I have I had a friend and I gave her uh, a topical. She had some knee pain and I gave her and she found it really soothed her knee pain. She was very pleased, but she had it on her her little side uh, bedside table and her dog got into it and we had, I had to come over and, we, and there was pot dog and it, it it's sad. I mean, you should obviously be very respectful to animals and it's not it's not funny, but when it happens, it's hysterical. But it's not something we would invite or encourage. It, it was and funny actually, lighter, but very expensive, but. Just well, but they do they do now carry CBD for the dogs. Yes. yes. So- and actually that was another um thing with my friend and so I was house sitting for her as pet sitting for her she was gone for the weekend and I had her dogs and one of her dogs was at, like end of life cancer like all sorts of issues and and I was like this dog's not dying on my watch and she would not eat. And I went to the specialty. <laughs> some yeah. uh, and at that time it was pre-CBD so it was, th- it was a THC tincture and so the dog did get a little high um, not not much like it was controlled unlike the other dog yeah. later who got into the the, the knee cream <laughs> um, but it was it was definitely that appetite came back and that dog ate and that dog lived mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so. I have heard good things about um, people going to you know, lens to get these parts for their dogs, like people do for their children. Okay. So you want to talk about the FDA? I do, because I think that they're, they're, there's sort of a couple of like, who are the gatekeepers of this and, and mm, who is, yeah. you know, sort of who runs the show here. And so with and it's cannabis, not a cartel you're saying. <laughs> no, actually it's they're very much very. And so with cannabis state by state, it's still federally illegal, but the, the, the feds have said, states do your thing. Like, we'll just be over here watching. That's why they have problems with banking. That's why they have other, you can't cross state lines. Um, But each state has kind of created its own culture, its own rules, its own, um, you know, some states, for example, Arkansas, there's five licenses for cultivation. Oklahoma, there's over 50, probably like 2,000. Um, it was basically anybody who wants to do it, it you know, and, the, and so some states. I know somebody who's planting in Oklahoma right now. Like they've invested like their life savings, and every week in their planting plants. Um, and this is the number one reason why a lot of people are like, "Oh, we need it to go federally legal. We need it to go federally legal." It will wipe people like that out out overnight because California alone could supply the entire country, and it would knock out every farmer in the United States, you know, outside of California, if California was able to export and cross state lines. Okay. So let me ask you this. It has to be sold, grown in that state to be sold in that state. Is that what you're telling me? For marijuana, that is correct. Hemp but, can be, is different, but yes, for cannabis, yes. So for marijuana. And the ones that are under 0.3%, those can cross state lines? Correct. Okay, good, because I got some hemp lotion from a friend in Tennessee, so I'm glad to know I don't have to hide that. So that is federally legal. 
Now, the feds still put it back on the states. They can make their own rules. So there are states like Maine that want their hemp grown in Maine, purchased in Maine. They don't want outside of Maine hemp because they want to protect their own hemp industry and they want to encourage farmers. So hemp, you can, they could ship it out of state. They just prefer that out of state doesn't come. So every state's got its own. And they, like, there's states like Idaho. There's a CBD store down in downtown Boise, but like everything else you read, it's completely illegal in Boise. Mm. I mean, in, or in the state of Idaho. So there's some state, there was a woman who started a CBD store in Des Moines and she got arrested and thrown in jail. And then she got out and then they changed the law or they became friendlier and she was able to go on with her store. But she, you know, so each state, you have to kind of look at your own state and what its rules and regulations are as far as, you know, can you, like there was a woman in 2019 who again took it for pain and it was you know she found it very uh, valuable to her well-being and she was a grandma and had the kids at disney land or disney world in florida and got arrested so uh, wow. you know it, it happens because a lot of people didn't and it, there was a there was a like in kansas they didn't even have the test so there was a guy who um a farmer in Colorado who was shipping to California and he used FedEx. He didn't, he was on the border, the Eastern border, and he didn't realize that the, the local FedEx was in Kansas. And so he, this was, he was shipping product like crop that he had, he had harvested and it was in bales and it ended up in Kansas and he ended up getting arrested because they were like, we don't know how to test that. We don't know the difference between a cannabis plant and a hemp plant. And you can't have that here. And he's like, but I was shipping it to California. I never intended it for to go to Kansas. That was not my plan. But that's where FedEx brought it. And that's where, so all of these things wow. are getting more norm normalized, but it, there's still this sort of gray area. So that's why I bring it to back to the FDA. Because when the farm bill was signed in December of 2018, we're three years in to the farm bill, mm -hmm. which legalized mm -hmm. the production of hemp. And it was an incentive for farmers to say, hey, here's another crop you can grow. And that, allowed the production to be overseen by the USDA mm. Department of Agriculture. But as far as the 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 Food and Drug Administration, that was the FDA was overseeing its use as a food additive or as a drug. CBD is an approved ingredient in a in a drug called Epidex for epilepsy. So the FDA hasn't said no but they're sort of said, they said, yeah, well, it's approved and it's over here in this sort of drug formulation we have. But as far as anything, any other claim that it, and, and it, we can't even say that it treats epilepsy because it's these other ingredients that's formulated with that are that drug. So they say, please don't make any claim. We haven't done enough studies. The studies that have been done basically say more studies should be done. There's, you know, there is evidence but it was a small control group and you know it just doesn't have the depth of research because it's so new but that's that it's for people legal. who don't know that's the way medicines work you start with a small group you get the controls in place you see if it warrants a large study correct Order. correct yes so and that's not years. abnormal that's right. not abnormal and take absolutely years. So that's where we're only three years into this. Yeah. So they're at the beginning. So that's where the, the overarching theme with all of this is do no harm. And and that's why you want to check your COAs. That's why you want to check your employer, make sure you're not. Uh, that's why you want to know, is there really a problem that you're trying to solve, which is why you would want to use these products. And again, some people do turn to them because uh, the but the FT, they have they have pain or they have problems sleeping or anxiety that they find that this can be helpful for. But the 
main point that the FDA is saying is that if you are on medication that a doctor has prescribed for you, Mm -hmm. do not change anything that you're doing because of something you read on the internet. So Mm. if you are taking drugs for your arthritis, don't be like, oh, this will solve my problem. I can go over here. You, If you think you might want to integrate some CBD into your treatment regimen, talk to your doctor, talk to your pharmacist. Don't take CBD on top of your medication. Space them out. Don't stop taking your medication. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the doctor because I do think more and more doctors are acknowledging the benefits and they're having the conversations. I know a friend of mine, her husband has Parkinson's and the doctor was open to this discussion, open for the surprise, helping him, told her where to get them. And I love that, that we are being open-minded about how we treat ailments and treat health in general. So they're starting a new study um, that they're putting a lot of resources behind to look at how CBD can help people who have opioid addiction. I believe that. I absolutely believe that because there are some really great benefits. Um, I used to be an avid drug user of many things. And so I, I just know that it can be such a good use. Um, and I just love that they're starting to study more because, you know, I think that for a lot of us who have, you know, known about CBD or THC or just the overarching, you know, cannabis industry, I think it's really hard to, um, what's that word I'm looking for? I can't really think of the word that I'm looking for, but really have have the value behind why they're taking what they're taking. Um, because I know for me, when I talk to my doctor, I, I tell them like, this is what I'm taking right now. Will this affect anything else that I am currently on? Um, and is this the best use for me right now? And they always agree. Yes, this is, you know, because there's nothing else that we can give you right now. Um, which is so Christine is a great. responsible pothead just for the I, record. I'm I, well, I, well, because Philippa you, is, don't even know. <laughs> Philippa, Philippa is a little more serious. I think we frightened her. She's, she's, I feel like the IRS has rolled in the compliance <laughs> officer and she's trying to deal with two yokels. Okay. Well, I just love, I love that you're, you're talking about the, um, the science behind it and also that there are studies and that people can feel secure in that and that they can talk to their doctors about it. I think it's really important and we don't have to be in this. I think it's an important conversation. And it's just like some of the conversations we've had about vaginas and (laughs) um, dilators and things like that, that, excuse me, you just don't want to Google mm-hmm. it. You know, I'm just, I've just watched too many of those shows where they took those people's computers and <laughs> it, they exposed everything they had Googled. And I just don't want vaginal dryness and marijuana to show up in my Google searches. I'm just, so we're going to get you the good information in a way that you don't have to feel compromised. So Philippa, knowing that you don't give medical advice, What things, though, are on the table? What kind of conversations, what kind of tests, what kind of um, stories are you hearing about things that would matter to midlife women? And we're talking about hormonal issues, hot flashes, weight gain, trouble sleeping, irritability, all these things. Anxiety, heightened anxiety. Anxiety, depression, 
you know, our audience are midlife women for the most part. Welcome to anyone who else is not and just wanting to find out. We love you too. What is, what are the things without giving medical advice that there, there may be some benefit to using these products to provide some relief or some assistance? Absolutely. I think that they're like the most common, again, not cure a treat um, is that people like it for sleep. You have issues with sleep, you know, CBD again has, and uh, that's a very common. Uh, people also like it just again, anxiety or just relaxation, just kind of like, just like someone will have a cup of coffee to sort of give them a little edge up. People will have some CBD to give them a little edge to just bring it down. Um, relax, tranquility is a good, is a, is a, is a good word to kind of capture, you know, what do you get from CBD? A sense of I think that's a funny word for midlife <clears throat> women because I don't think of midlife women and tranquility being in the same subject very often. <laughs> so I would all be all about some well, tranquility. So when we're talking about ingesting them for those types of purposes, <clears throat> what are we talking about? Putting a drop under your tongue, chewing a gummy, smoking a joint. What what does that look like? Because that's how far removed some of our listeners are going to be. Is it you take a pill, you rub some lotion on? What what does this look like for treating some of these things? So, and that's exactly, so perfect. So for the ingestibles, uh, tincture is very popular, which is an oil. You can put it on your tongue. You can put it on a, in, in a beverage. You can put it in food. It's a tincture and it just drops. And it usually, rec- usually the will recommend one, to. Usually it's one or two drops. Um, and these are different are, kinds of tinctures where they have a different. Uh, different ones will have different milligrams in terms of what the concentration is of CBD. So those are things that you'll both get in the product description and also in the COAs uh, information about. And, and the, the, the mantra here is uh, start slow, low and slow. Hmm. You know, just you, you'll sort like of get that. a sense uh, of it. Uh, you can also do gummies. I don't particularly like anything that's candy like because my fear is if I like the candy, I'm going to want another piece. And they found a huge problem with chocolate bars and cookies and things like that with cannabis. And I've had the same thing. It's like you get a cannabis cookie. That's and you're how like, my dog got high. My dog exactly. will eat anything that's not moving. And maybe if it's moving, if he can catch it. So there's brownie so, on the ground. If I, they I would ever say put it in jelly beans, <clears> I'm a goner. Oh yeah, you can have it in candy. Uh-huh. They have all sorts so, of candy. It's candy, yeah. Um, yep, you can get it in jelly beans. I'm sure. Jolly uh, you can get it. Jo- yep, and then you can get it in gummies. Are very popular, both sugar coated and non sugar coated. Um, you can get it in uh, gel caps. You can get it in. <laughs> Somebody has a gummy problem over there. Not mentioning any names. <laughs> Listen. So it, it yeah yeah again I don't like some people again if if you're. Some people like the idea of candy, especially if they don't like the delivery of other methods. But again, for me, if I like two bites of something, I'm going to want the third. And that's not really the point. Mm. I also, I usually have CBD in beverages. That's my favorite way to consume it. Mm. And um, you can have it in coffee. You yeah. can have it in tea. You can have it in all sorts of. You can even feel have like it in of- like beer now or something. Yeah. It's really, Is that really a good idea. No, I don't think so. But you know, everybody has their thing. You know what, Philip, I like that you said that there's different forms because some people do have a, um, at least for me, I do, I have a problem with smoking now just because of my past and my history. And so I found that the gummies were a safe way for me to, or even a tincture was a safe way for me to enter into that with it not 
feeling like I'm an addict. I know that sounds really horrible. And if you are a person who uses vape pens and smokes a J every now and then, to each is their own. I just needed it for me to separate that in my mind. Actually, you bring up an excellent point because I've talked to thus far about topicals. Mm-hmm. We just talked about ingestibles and then there's smokables. Mm-hmm. So vape pens are smokable. You can literally roll a joint with CBD flour, uh, which is different than, which is from hemp versus THC flour. Um, and so it's smokable. I don't, it's not going to give you, it might feel and look the same as smoking a joint, but yeah. it's not going to give you the high. It, it just, it's, um, I don't really know what it does, but some people like it. That's their thing. Does it smell the same? No, no, not at all. Um, I I think actually the most useful form of THC, or sorry, CBD flower is for people who use THC a lot and want to dial down and reduce their THC. So they'll mix in CBD with into their joints um, or into their bong or their hit just to sort of, you know, sort of wean themselves down from uh, a THC habit. Now there's other, there's other forms of the CBD and the THC, right? So like there, I know there's CBN, CBG. Um, I like the CBG. Yes. The CBG is my favorite. Um, so CBG plus the THC is a great blend for me. I'm like a fan. Um, but that's kind of hard to come by. So can you tell us like a little bit of the differences between the, all the different letters? Besides the CBD well, just, and THC, well, let me start with just the the so like some again. All of this is based in science, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of science to all of this. Um, let me just start with: we know that we have an endocrine system, mm-hmm. right? Within our body, there's endocrine, and then we also have an endocannabinoid system within our body. Mm-hmm. And these can these what we're talking about: THC, CBD, CBG, CBN are cannabinoids, and they have cell communication with our own cannabinoid system and that's kind of how it does its scientific magic and so within that the their cannabinoids are just extracts from the plant and so cbg is a a form which i say might not be as easy to get cbn but they're coming online they're getting more and more popular Mm -hmm. as far as and and THC is also known as Delta 9 mm-hmm. in its scientific terms. So you sometimes will say, and so that's where we can also talk about Delta 8. Okay. Delta, I want to talk uh, about this because this is one of my questions. Because, <laughs> there it is. I was waiting for okay. it. Because <laughs> you can get these things in South Carolina where we can't, we don't have dispensaries. It's not legal in any form, but there's something, okay, I don't understand just talk all about the Delta 8 and 9 because I know people who are in states where this is not permissible. One of those they like because it's something, okay, take away. <laughs> so Delta 9, which is THC, is the psychoactive. Delta 8 is the, and, and we have that like 0.3 line of what's considered legal TA, legal CBD is under that point zero point three uh, THC. So, Delta A is a little bit of this backdoor workaround. So for most of this conversation, I have said CBD will not get you high. Might give you a body buzz, but there's not you're not going to get enough of that psychoactive effect. There is a very specific product called Delta Delta 8, which is if you're looking for a CBD product, which is not regulated at the in the you know state, you know, the, through a dispensary and all of that, you, you know, the work around the back door of the Trojan horse, however you want to describe it, is Delta 8. It is the only CBD product that has a psychoactive effect. For someone who is looking for psychoactive effects, 
and wants to pay CBD prices, which are a lot lower. Oh, that's another thing. Price. Similarly, I was using banking prices. Let's just talk about the price for CBD per pound is like $200. The price for THC per pound is like $2,600. So the cost differential is significant between a CBD product and a cannabis product. The but so Delta 8 is that now because states have put so much time and attention and money into their compliant cannabis programs, Colorado immediately was like, we're banning Delta 8. We're not about it. If you want to get high, go to the dispensary. Mm, you know, interesting. <clears throat> and, and, and other states soon followed. So Delta 8 is actually in some states, any legal cannabis pro uh, CBD product, because states are like, no, you're competing and undermining the investments we've already made. Michigan had a different approach. Michigan was like, oh, it gets you high, go buy it at a dispensary. Not illegal, but just illegal to be sold outside of a dispensary. Hmm. So, so they brought competing. it under the they regulation. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, now, but it is what, very popular. In what about that, it gets you high? Because, so I, the Delta, which is, uh, tetrahydrocannabinoid like is the THC and I'm not science here but this is there's a science to it that there's just it it plays with the the legality so it just it just has a you know a different profile to it that is is able to sort of meet the legal definition but have just enough of the psychoactive to just it's not like if you want a proper cannabis high go get cannabis. But it just, out of all the CBD products, it's the one that just kicks it over. And so that's where- So it where, doesn't have more THC. It just has other compounds. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yeah. Wow. So that total picture that's on that COA is super important because even though this falls under that point, uh, 0.3 threshold- it still has the ability to get you high. Two things. They're going to charge you more for that because that's considered a perk. <laughs> so you will never get Delta 8 without it being marketed and priced as Delta 8. So don't worry about it. Nobody's trying. I mean, that, that was like headlines in Colorado. Nobody's trying to get your kids high. They're not. It's expensive. Nobody's just giving this stuff away. They're going to, you know, they're charging a premium for it. So nobody's trying to like slip it under the radar. If, if it, it's a benefit and if people want that benefit, they're going to pay for that benefit. It's going to be very clearly articulated and advertised. But it, just to be clear, it's not that it has more THC. It's the way it's compounded. Correct. Okay. Because so I have very, heard a lot talk about that in being that I'm in a no cannabis state. So Which is why it's very popular in those states because it's not competing with a legal industry. And does it so have therefore, the COA in it as well? The COA on the labeling mm -hmm. as well? Oh, yeah. It still qualifies as a CBD product. Okay. And so it still okay. meets all the requirements of CBD. It's just, it's the one product within the, the CBD line of products that has the, that, that ability uh, and, and again, is marketed. And it, so that you're not going to get any surprises. If you're looking for that, you can find it and you're going to pay for it because it is sold at a premium. And most, as I said, the FCA is one gatekeeper. They have rules like do not, you know, to say that any CBD product cures, treats, you know, any mm -hmm. disease. Mm -hmm. They rely, they've only sent out a few letters and they've sent them out through the Federal Trade Commission saying to companies that are out of compliance, hey, stop that and here's a fine and we'll shut you down if you don't 
be you know done doing but also the second layer and the other layer of compliance is with banks and specifically merchant processors so if you want to accept most merchants want to accept credit cards and most consumers you make that credit card transaction online they have to go through a rigorous underwriting process showing all their coa showing that they don't say anything they're not supposed to say for marketing and mo- a lot of the processors do not accept delta 8 so mm. if they want to sell data they pay a premium in what they pay like for their transaction charges and it's you know it's a very rigorous application process and it's at a very limited number of banks that will even touch it. That's interesting that you say that because every time we go to the dispensary or we have it delivered because my husband takes tinctures um and then we also take topicals and things of that nature but they they only operate in cash. That's that's it. Only cash. Because most of them, um, if the, when I say they can get banking, that's to sort of to make payroll and to pay their bills and deposit their cash. But most of them can't take credit cards. The the Visa, Mastercard, Rails don't mm-hmm. accept yeah. it. There's like pin debit, but then Visa came out recently saying cut that out. We don't want anything to do with it. Wow. So merchant processing for can, uh, dispensaries is is incredibly challenging. It there's there's work there's some things, but they're. I mean, traditional processing is not available to them. So banking is, but a lot of times they just literally need to get the uh, cash transport to come pick up their cash. So that is to prevent wow. things like money laundering. Washing, getting, money washing. Yeah, Christine calls it money washing. I'm like, what are you talking about? They wash money. Are they literally know. washing the money? Um, you know, organized crime. You're saying this is, these things I assume are in place for those reasons. And to just help with regulation, it actually has more to do with uh, the the fed the, it being federally illegal and banks not wanting to be okay, fined gotcha. for doing it. So that's why acquiring banks are the ones who back a credit card transaction mm-hmm. with the authorization, the relationship with Visa and Mastercard. Mm-hmm. And so, if Visa and Mastercard don't want to do it, it's not happening. Yeah. And Visa so and just to be is- clear, guys, you can't just open a shop and sell. Your CBD. You can't just be, this is highly, highly regulated. You have to have all kinds of credentials to yeah, do this. Definitely. I, I know a grower in Tennessee, um, a relative, I'm just not going to shout out their name here, but they grow hemp. And he said they come out and literally check his hemp. And if it has, if the THC is higher than a certain level, then he has to cut it all down. So even just the hemp growers are highly regulated. Now, let me ask you this. Being that this is all highly regulated, if Christina went to her dispensary and she loaded up, one, are there limitations on how much you can buy? And are there rules on can she sell it to someone else? So, yes, there are. Okay, so let me let me two things in there. One is when you sell CBD or grow hemp, their fear is that you're growing cannabis. Mm -hmm. When you sell licensed cannabis, their fear is that you're selling black market cannabis. So that's that money laundering that you're Mm -hmm. talking about. What is that, that that you're not supposed to be selling that you are selling? So that's why all of these circles of compliance are around it. And even as it gets more widely accepted on states, even if it was federally legal, it would still be a regulated substance. There'd still be a black market. There'd still be a regulated market. There'd still be a CBD market. And those circles of compliance aren't going away. 
if anything, they will get tighter Tighter, and stricter because more people are in, in, in the green rush conversation, Mm -hmm. in the green rush. And so even someone who sells CBD is like, oh, I just want it to get easier. It's like, they actually won't because it's related to cannabis and there is still a black market. Even with alcohol, you don't have the moonshine market Mm -hmm. the way that you do with cannabis. It's a very active black market. Oh girl, I live in South Carolina. (laughs) Is there moonshine? (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) Honey, do you know where NASCAR came from? Ricky Bobby. Ricky, Ricky Bobby. Bobby and NASCAR racing. <laughs> the roots of that are at running moonshine. Yeah, but my point when I say there's no moonshine market, like if you make moonshine right now, that's not illegal, is it? Well, yeah, it, it's got to be, it's supposed to be regulated. You can't just have your steel out in the mountains of North Carolina and sell it down at the local mini mart. That, yeah. I stand corrected and you understand then that there are circles of compliance around everything. Oh, yeah. I was just laughing because you said there wasn't much of a moonshine market. I'm like, come on, east, baby. <laughs> okay, well, then there you understand. Then it's the they're, they're regulated mm-hmm. industries, mm-hmm. and there's a legal and a not legal, and everybody wants to make sure everybody's doing it right. So that's where, and so you ask about limitations on selling. So there was a, a dispensary license that was completely pulled. They're still operating in Washington and Oregon, I believe, but their Colorado license was killed. And it was, and they, they were, they were, crushing it marketing wise they had a great brand they were doing so well with their marketing that was just it was called sweet leaf and they were there was no stopping them until management encouraged their what are called bud tenders uh to uh, engage in a process called looping and so the idea is you are limited on a per client per transaction on how much you can buy when you come to the dispensary counter and what you leave with has to be a number a limited amount which is designed for personal use. So you don't buy a bunch and ship it out of state because that can be profitable and that's not what they want. Looping means that you kind of wink and nod to the customer who just simply goes outside, puts their little purchase in their car and comes right back in. And basically uh, in a number of occasions, but one in particular, uh, they, they had a police officer who looped 27 times. Oh, wow. wow. So what's the what's the maximum that... I mean, obviously, each state is going to probably have a different maximum, correct? Because you said that states can operate uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah, every every state has its own uh, rules and regulations, and kind of what they're so what that amount of cannabis product would be. In this case, you know, it was it was a set limit that that, and each each purchase was within that set limit. Mm-hmm. That just mm-hmm. that customer just came back through. Just, wow. Just, That's right. That falls under the one coupon per person policy down at the local <laughs> mini mart. Okay. So is Christina allowed to resell it at all? Mm-mm. None at all. Okay. No. So my last question, I kind of want to leave it here today is just to be clear, these products are grown in the United States in the state in which they're distributed. So hopefully prayerfully there are no links to south american cartels mexican drug cartels all those things is the christine's over here laughing at my naivete but i mean if we fear that we're supporting that kind of drug trade like as a midlife woman you know we're all these you know mexican drug lords colombian drug Mm -hmm. lords you know that's that's what's been and i'm not throwing off on colombia or mexico lovely places I'm just saying this is a different beast and there is separation between those two types of trades and businesses, correct? 
or no? Yes. These are very, very highly regulated, highly like so. And, and you made the statement that grown in the state, sold in the state. That only applies to cannabis, marijuana, plants. And those are the really highly regulated, but still federally illegal, but state legal. So they are managed by the state. So the operators and the people who have mm-hmm. licenses typically live in the state, are connected to the state, have licenses from the state, are state regulated. Um, when I worked in the industry, I had to get a badge. I had a background check through the FBI. You know, you can't work in any of these places. You either get a key badge, which is more senior, or I had a support badge. But you have to be badged. You have your photo on your little badge, and they expire every two years, and you've got to get them, you know, mm. redone. So you can't even work anywhere near a facility without being badged. Wow. It could, I could not go to work without well, a batch. It just makes me feel, I don't know about you, Gail, but this makes me feel a whole lot better because when, when it first you know, was brought out to California and we were going to legalize everything, I really had a hard time with it being in recovery. I really had a hard time with, you know, where are they going to grow this stuff? What are they going to do? How is this going to affect my, my son? Um, the links to crime. Yeah. The, the links, links to, to organized crime. I mean, crime. Just everything, all of it. And, and knowing kind of the backstory of how this is really operated uh it's it's an almost kind of like a a relief i don't know if that's that's how you was becoming legitimized yeah would that be the fair word to use philippa Absolutely. It's it well, it it's no longer happening in back alleys. Mm. I mean, they've put a spotlight on it. And it's 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 now on Main Street. And it sometimes it makes people a little uncomfortable that it's on Main Street, but at least we can have a conversation about it. We're having this conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh now with the the C B D is is grown uh primarily in the United States and sold by companies that are here. Uh but it can actually, you can buy CBD from overseas. You can get it from Canada if you want. You can get it from Europe okay, if you want. So CBD, I mean, it's, you can. But is, yeah, CBD, is CBD attractive to organized crime or they, they're going to focus on THC? This is probably for another day, but I think the most organized crime in this industry is Square and Amazon. <laughs> oh, she, she is coming for She's you. Coming That's for another you. episode. <laughs> but I do love my Amazon. I'm not going to lie. Do well, that. no, because, because, okay, so here's the thing is like all of this regulation and all my clients who go through this, like mm-hmm. all this very rigorous process, but if they just, not they, because they go through the follow the rules and I like to, but if somebody decides to just like package their thing and like, let's call it hemp, let's call it hemp oil. I don't know, really know what the difference is, but you can sell that on Amazon and you don't have to have any of the banking or merchant processing compliance or any issue, wow. but you just label it as hemp oil and it's fine to sell on Amazon. And same thing with like big banks. It's like, oh, it's health and nutrition. I can get a bank account at Bank of America or Chase. And then like six months later, they decide to like shut you down. But it's like they enable a lot of the lying that goes on in the mm. industry because people are like, oh, I don't want to pay for a bank. I just rather get a bank for free. So the banks kind of, and, and then the same thing with Square is like, if you go to a bank that does not want this, they really don't want this. And then there's the murky middle, which is like these big banks that sort of open it and close it and just change. And then Square every day knows exactly where everybody's banked and puts money into bank accounts that don't want it. Wow. wow. That's, I, we're just blown away right now. That's why we're we got so quiet. naive. I'm we living are. over here in, you know, suburbia <laughs> land. Just I'm worried just, about. I'm just saying that the, a lot of the stuff on the back end, it's it's really undefined and it's mm. it's all over the place. It's kind of a mess. Like some people are like, is it legal? Is it not legal? Well, but, Can I 
didn't we have this like in prohibition days too? Like it, it, it took a while for it to kind of have its own rhythm and routine and operating systems. And who are we going to allow to do this? Who aren't we going to allow to do this? And the regulations, the laws, all of that stuff, right? I mean, we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Well, and two, I want to bring up the point that you know, we act like this is some foreign concept that a plant could provide medicinal benefits, but yet opiates are everywhere. And, you know, lots of our medicine, lots of our beauty products, lots of things come from plants. So I just want to remind everyone, this is not far-fetched. This, we're not mm-hmm. talking about moon dust. We're, you know, th- this has been done before. These things have medicinal benefits. So, um, that this could have medicinal benefits is not far-fetched. So again, we've overstayed our time, but we like to give our guests the last word. And Philippa, would you come back or you you just can't take it? Oh, I, I, I love this industry. I've been in this industry. I will continue to support this industry in so many ways. And actually just like, just wrapping up, it's like I'm studying urban planning and we're learning a lot about redlining and like how we're learning a lot about like, you know, what, like our racist history and you go to like when was this plant illegal well the 1930s when did you have redlining like the 1930s when did dupont come in and want to sort of make their own chemicals and didn't and wanted to get out of hemp which had been used for centuries for ropes and and textiles and other things so if you look at like when did it become illegal it's really logical why so now that it's becoming unillegal it's it's okay. Interesting. Like, we still need to follow the rules and be better, but to really kind of understand like why did it become illegal? There, there's a, It makes a lot of sense, and now why it's becoming illegal also makes a lot of sense. Mm. You know, Philippa, what people usually say that question is, no, we love you too, and we want to come back. You did not say that. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. I'm welcome. I'm going to take you down the social justice road next. Oh, okay. oh I'm Gail, down for Gail it. Needed, I am down for it. Don't get me started, right, Christina oh, says. No, I'm please. just laughing because we <laughs> always tell people that. Like, Would you come back? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. We love you guys. Philippa's like... There's not enough tea at your sea in the world to get me back on the base. Well, so next time I'm rolling a blunt and I'll be on. Thanks. Yeah, I, I'll take a little THC and join you. But we really would like to talk more about its uses uh, maybe in a few months. And it's, it's a changing landscape. So we'd mm. like to hear more about it. So, yeah. Philippa, you've been a wealth of knowledge. And we thank you so much because you don't really have a dog in this race. Mm-hmm. There's no personal mm-hmm. benefit to mm-hmm. you here. You just gave us your time and your incredible wealth of knowledge. And we're so grateful. Again, not advocating either way. Do your research, though, and just we want you to know that, you know, it's real. It's here to stay. It's regulated. It can be safe. And what these terms mean so that when you do your due diligence, when you talk to your doctor, you're a little bit more educated. Christina, you got anything else to add? No, I just think, you know, you need to do what's best for you and for your body and definitely talk to your medical professional about it before you engage in any kind of usage with, you know, cannabis. I just think it's really important that your your doctor knows. So, yeah. Well, I definitely feel more educated mm-hmm. and that's thanks to you, Philippa. So we really Absolutely. appreciate you. And we want you to visit our midlifemoxie.net website and become part of our community Give us your email. We promise we're not going to spam you, but we will keep you up to date on recent episodes, new blog posts, and Moxie events that are coming up. So that's midlifemoxie.net. And Philip is going to have a great blog post coming up mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. more information here. And also visit our sponsors page 
y'all discounts galore shoes shapers energy bars you name it it's gonna you're gonna get discounts from our moxie partners but as we always say go and get your moxie on bye-bye now